3 a.m. Tales of Terror contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to 3 a.m. Tales of Terror, where we tell you stories of the paranormal. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your co-host, Charlie. And in today's episode, it's a pretty special episode because it's our Christmas episode. Merry Christmas! Yeah, Merry Christmas! This episode's going to drop on the... uh, What day? The 23rd. So, yeah, it'll drop on the 23rd. So, Merry Christmas! The Eve of Christmas Eve! Merry Chrysler! Happy Hanukkah! (laughs) Um... All the things. I feel like next year, uh, when we're moving into our house, I feel like we're going to record a Christmas episode, like, (laughs) super in advance. (laughs) Because I don't know when we're going to be moving in. And I know, like, before we move in, we're going to have to, like, record at least, like... Just get your your office set up for... (laughs) Forget the kitchen. Forget the bedroom. But we're going to have to record, like, here... Like um like at least a month or so of episodes because who knows when we're gonna be able to record. God, and I'm gonna have to drive you even further. Yeah. That's why. So when when we move in, you're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to suck it up and do all day, all day, every day, all day episodes. Which by then, hopefully, I'll be working Monday through Friday and not. It must be nice doing anything on the weekends and except for school as I work from six in the morning to one on Saturdays. Oh, my gosh. Well, we'll make sure we do it on Saturdays that you have off. That way you can come over early and we can do like five or six episodes because we we record super in advance. Like today is the 26th. It is the thanks- of November of November. It is the um the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So this is when we're recording our Christmas episode. Just so you know, like <laughs> how far in advance we record. I'm and, a busy bee now. And not even not just that, like we have episodes recorded already. um, And we have episodes recorded up until the episode that comes after this one we have like that's like five episodes i think yeah so up to like the beginning of january you pretty much is what we're trying to do and we're also trying to i have a book about the amityville horror and about the 28 days that they spent in the house and we're gonna kind of read through that book just so you guys can get like a feel of what happened and just so that it's more like broken down of like everything that happened and I, I want more details and stuff. And that's why I haven't done that yet. And also I haven't done Lizzie Borden yet because <laughs> I was researching it one night and my anxiety got so bad. I got up at two o'clock in the morning and I threw up. It was it's it was so bad. I, I don't like researching Lizzie Borden just because it makes me like so sad. I just so that one's going to have to be put off for a little bit longer because <laughs> it's gonna take me a minute <laughs> the what <laughs> pussy <laughs> oh my God. it's gonna take me a little bit longer to um get that research but for now it is christmas almost after our little tangent of going off yeah it is almost christmas so we're gonna be telling you the story of smee and uh, so it's it's an actual story um, and so what we're going to do is we're not going to stop 
reading. Like we're going to read in our sections like we normally do, but we're not going to stop and like communicate and talk or conversate, whatever, between. So we're going to just tell the whole entire story and then we can talk about it at the end. So it shouldn't be that long, but you know, we'll see. Can I say something? What? Schmeagle. <laughs> okay. Oh, and um, also I wanted to let you know, because this is a Victorian, this is like a classic Victorian um, Christmas story. So there are some sentences in here that are going to sound weird, but it's just because of the time frame. And I didn't change it because I didn't want to like modernize it because that's how it is. So, just in case you have trouble, like, you get confused on some of the words and the wording. It's like, it's supposed to be like that. So, okay. Here's the story of Smee. No, said Jackson with a deprecatory smile. I'm sorry. I don't want to upset your game. I shan't be doing that because you'll have plenty without me. But I'm not playing any games of hide and seek. It was Christmas Eve and we were a party of 14 with the proper leavening of youth. We had dined well. It was the season for childish games, and we were all in the mood for playing them. All, that is, except Jackson. When somebody suggested hide-and-seek, there was a rapturous and almost unanimous approval. His was the one dissentient voice. It was not like Jackson to spoil sport or refuse to do as others wanted. Somebody asked him if he were feeling seedy. No, he answered. I feel perfectly fit. Thanks, but, he added with a smile which softened without retracting the flat refusal, I'm not playing hide-and-seek. Why not? someone asked. He hesitated for a moment before replying. I sometimes go and stay at a house where a girl was killed. She was playing hide-and-seek in the dark. She didn't know the house very well. There was a door that led to the servant's staircase. When she was chased, she thought the door led to a bedroom. She opened the door and jumped and landed at the bottom of the stairs. She broke her neck, of course. We all looked serious. Mrs. Fernley said, how terrible, and were you there when it happened? Jackson shook his head sadly. No, he said, but I was there when something else happened. Something worse. What could be worse than that? This was, said Jackson. He hesitated for a moment and then said, I wonder if any of you have ever played a game called Smee. It's much better than hide-and-seek. The name comes from It's Me, of course. Perhaps you'd like to play it instead of hide-and-seek. Let me tell you the rules of the game. Every player is given a sheet of paper. All the sheets except one are blank. On the last sheet of paper is written, Smee. Nobody knows who Smee is except Smee himself or herself. You turn out the lights and Smee goes quietly out of the room and hides. After a time, the others go off and search for Smee. But, of course, they don't know who they are looking for. When one player meets another, he challenges him by saying, Smee. The other player answers, Smee, and they all continue searching. But the real Smee doesn't answer when someone challenges. The second player stays quietly behind him. Presently, they will be discovered by a third player. He will challenge and receive no answer, and he will join the first two. This goes on until all the players are in the same place. The last one to find Smee has to play a forfeit. It's a good, noisy, amusing game in a big house. It often takes a long time for everyone to find Smee. Perhaps you'd like to try. I'll happily pay my forfeit and sit here by the fire while you play. It sounds a good game, I remarked. Have you played it too, Jackson? Yes, he answered. I played it in the house that I was telling you about. 
and she was there, the girl who broke... No, no, said someone else. He told us he wasn't there when she broke her neck. Jackson thought for a moment. I don't know if she was there or not. I'm afraid she was. I know that there were 13 of us playing the game, and there were only 12 people in the house, and I didn't know the dead girl's name. When I heard that whispered name in the dark, it didn't worry me. But I tell you, I'm never going to play that kind of game again. It made me quite nervous for a long time. I prefer to pay my forfeit at once. We all stared at him. His words did not make sense at all. Tim Vouse was the kindest man in the world. He smiled at us all. This sounds like an interesting story, he said. Come on, Jackson, you can tell it to us instead of paying a forfeit. Very well, said Jackson, and here is his story. Have you met the Sangstons? They are cousins of mine, and they live in Surrey. Five years ago, they invited me to go and spend Christmas with them. It was an old house with lots of unnecessary passages and staircases. A stranger could get lost in it quite easily. Well, I went down for that Christmas. Violet Sangston promised me that I, that I knew most of the other guests. Unfortunately, I couldn't get away from my job until Christmas Eve. All the other guests had arrived there the previous day. I was the last to arrive, and I was only just in time for dinner. I said hello to everyone I knew, and Violet Sangston introduced me to the people I didn't know. Then it was time to go to dinner. That is perhaps why I didn't hear the name of a tall, dark-haired, handsome girl whom I hadn't met before. Everyone was in a rather hurry, and I'm always bad at catching people's names. She looked cold and clever. She didn't look at all friendly, but she looked interesting, and I wondered who she was. I didn't ask because I was sure that someone would speak to her by name during the meal. Unluckily, however, I was a long way away from her at the table. I was sitting next to Mrs. Gorman, and as usual, Miss Gorman was being very bright and amusing. Her conversation is always worth listening to, and I completely forgot to ask the name of the dark, proud girl. There were twelve of us, including the Sangstons themselves. We were all young, or trying to be young. Jack and Violet Sangston were the oldest, with their 17-year-old son Reggie was the youngest. It was Reggie who suggested Smee when the talk turned to games. He told us the rules of the game, just as I've described them to you. Jack Sangston warned us all. If you are going to play games in the dark, he said, please be careful of the back stairs on the first floor. A door leads to them, and I've often thought about taking the door off, and the dark a stranger to the house could think they were walking into a room. A girl really did break her neck on those stairs. I asked how it happened. It was about ten years ago, before we came here. There was a party, and they were playing hide-and-seek. The girl was looking for somewhere to hide. She heard somebody coming and ran along the passage to get away. She opened the door, thinking it led to a bedroom. She planned to hide in there until the seeker had gone. Unfortunately, it was the door that led to the back stairs. She fell straight down to the bottom of the stairs. She was dead when they picked her up. We all promised to be careful. Mrs. Gorman even made a little joke about living to be 90. You see, none of us had known the poor girl, and we did not want to feel sad on Christmas Eve. Well, we all started playing the game immediately after dinner. Young Reggie Sangston went around making sure all the lights were off, except the ones in the servants' rooms and in the sitting room where we were. We then prepared 12 sheets of paper. 11 of them were blank, and one of them had Smee written on it. Reggie mixed them all up, then we each took one. The person who got the paper with Smee on it had to hide. I looked at mine and saw that it was blank. A moment later, all the electric lights went out. In the darkness, I heard someone moving very, very quietly to the door. 
After a minute, somebody blew a whistle and we all rushed to the door. I had no idea who was Smee. For five or ten minutes, we were all rushing up, rushing up and down the passages and in and out of rooms, challenging each other and answering, Smee? Smee? After a while, the noise died down and I guessed that someone had found Smee. After a time, I found a group of people all sitting on some narrow stairs. I challenged and received no answer. So Smee was there. I hurriedly joined the group. Presently, two more players arrived. Each one was hurrying to avoid being last. Jack Sangston was last and was given a forfeit. I think we're all here now, aren't we? He remarked. He lit a match, looked up the staircase, and began to count. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, he said, and then laughed. That's silly, there's one too many. The match went out and he lit another and began to count. He got as far as twelve, then he looked puzzled. There are 13 people here, he said. I haven't counted myself yet. Oh, nonsense, I laughed. You probably began with yourself, and now you want to count yourself twice. His son took out his electric torch. It gave us better light than the matches, and we all began to count. Of course, there were 12 of us. Jack laughed. Well, he said, I was sure I counted 13 twice. From halfway up the stairs, Violent Sangston spoke nervously. I thought there was somebody sitting two steps above me. Have you moved, Captain Ransom? The captain said that he hadn't, but I thought there was somebody sitting between Mrs. Sangston and me. Just for a moment, there was an uncomfortable something in the air. A cold finger seemed to touch us all. For that moment, we all felt that something odd and unpleasant had just happened and was likely to happen again. Then we laughed at ourselves and at each other, and we felt normal again. There were only 12 of us, and that was that. Still laughing, we marched back to the sitting room to begin again. This time, I was Smee. Violet Sangston found me while I was searching for a hiding place. That game didn't last long. Soon, there were 12 people and the game was over. Violet felt cold and wanted her jacket. Her husband went up to their bedroom to fetch it. As soon as he'd gone, Reggie touched me on the arm. He was looking pale and sick. Quick, he whispered. I've got to talk to you. Something horrible has happened. We went into the breakfast room. What's the matter? I asked. I don't know. You were Smee last time, weren't you? Well, of course I didn't know who Smee was. While Mother and the others ran to the west side of the house and found you, I went east. There's a deep clothes cupboard in my bedroom. It looked like a good hiding place. I thought that perhaps Smee might be there. I opened the door in the dark and touched somebody's hand. Smee? I whispered. There was no answer. I thought I'd found Smee. Well, I don't understand it, but I suddenly had a strange cold feeling. I can't describe it, but I felt something was wrong, so I turned on my electric torch, and there was nobody there. Now, I am sure I touched a hand, and nobody could get out of the cupboard because I was standing in the doorway. What do you think? You imagine that you touched a hand, I said. He gave a short laugh. I knew you would say that, he said. Of course I imagined it. That's the only explanation, isn't it? I agreed with him. I could see that he felt shaken. Together we returned to the sitting room for another game of Smee. The others were all ready and waiting to start again. Perhaps it was my imagination, although I'm almost sure that it was not. But I had a feeling that nobody was really enjoying the game anymore. But everyone was too polite to mention it. All the same, I had the feeling that something was wrong. All the fun had gone out of the game. Something deep inside of me was trying to warn me. Take care, it whispered. Take care. There was some unnatural, unhealthy influence at work in the house. Why did I have this feeling? Because Jack Sangston had counted 13 people instead of 12? 
because his son imagined he had touched someone's hand in an empty cupboard. I tried to laugh at myself, but I did not succeed. Well, we started again. While we were all chasing the unknown Smee, we were all as noisy as ever. But it seemed to me that most of us were just acting. We were no longer enjoying the game. At first, I stayed with the others, but for several minutes, no Smee was found. I left the main group and started searching on the first floor at the west side of the house. And there, while I was feeling my way along, I bumped into a pair of human knees. I put out my hand and touched a soft, heavy curtain. Then I knew where I was. There were tall, deep windows with window seats at the end of the passage. The curtains reached down to the ground. Somebody was sitting in a corner of one of the window seats behind a curtain. Aha, I thought, I've caught Smee. So I pulled the curtain to one side and touched a woman's arm. It was a dark, moonless night outside. I couldn't see the woman sitting in the corner of the window seat. Shmee. I whispered. There was no answer. When Smee is challenged, he or she does not answer. So I sat down beside her to wait for the others. Then I whispered, What's your name? Out of the darkness beside me came the whisper, Brenda Ford. I did not know the name, but I guessed at once who she was. I knew every girl in the house by name except one, and that was the tall, pale, dark girl. So here she was sitting beside me on the window seat, shut in between a heavy curtain and a window. I was beginning to enjoy the game. I wondered if she was enjoying it too. I whispered one or two rather ordinary questions to her and received no answer. Smee is a game of silence. It is a rule of the game that Smee and the person or persons who have found Smee have to keep quiet. This, of course, makes it harder for the others to find them, but there was nobody else about. I wondered, therefore, why she was insisting on silence. I spoke again and got no answer. I began to feel a little annoyed. Perhaps she is one of those cold, clever girls who have a poor opinion of all men, I thought. She doesn't like me, and she is using the rules of the game as an excuse for not speaking. Well, if she doesn't like sitting here with me, I certainly don't want to sit with her. I turned away from her. I hope someone finds us soon, I thought. As I sat there, I realized that I disliked sitting beside this girl very much indeed. That was strange. The girl I had seen at dinner had seemed likable in a cold kind of way. I noticed her and wanted to know more about her, but now I felt really uncomfortable beside her. The feeling of something wrong, something unnatural, was growing. I remembered touching her arm, and I trembled with horror. I wanted to jump up and run away. I prayed that someone else would come along soon. Just then, I heard light footsteps in the passage. Someone on the other side of the curtain brushed against my knees. The curtain moved to one side, and a woman's hand touched my shoulder. Smee? Whispered a voice that I recognized at once. It was Mrs. Gorman. Of course, she received no answer. She came and sat down beside me. At once, I felt very much better. It's Tony Jackson, isn't it? She whispered. Yes, I whispered back. You're not Smee, are you? No, she's on my other side. She reached out across me. I heard her fingernails scratch a woman's silk dress. Hello, Smee? How are you? Who are you? Oh, is it against the rules to talk? Never mind, Tony. We'll break the rules. Do you know, Tony, this game is beginning to annoy me a little. I hope they aren't going to play it all evening. I'd like to play a nice quiet game, all together beside a warm fire. Me too, I agreed. Can't you suggest something to them? There's something rather unhealthy about this particular game. I'm sure I'm being very silly, but I can't get rid of the idea that we've got an extra player. Somebody who ought not to be here at all. That was exactly how I felt, but I didn't say so. However, I felt very much better. Mrs. Gorman's arrival had chased away my fears. We sat talking. I wonder when the others will find us, said Mrs. Gorman. 
After a time, we heard the sound of feet and young Reggie's voice shouting, Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? Yes, I answered. Is Miss Gorman with you? Yes. What happened to you? You've both got forfeits. We've all been waiting for you for hours. But you haven't found Smee yet, I complained. You haven't, you mean. I was Smee this time. But Smee is here with us, I cried. Yes, agreed Miss Gorman. The curtain was pulled back and we sat looking into the eye of Reggie's electric torch. I looked at Mrs. Gorman and then to my other side. Between me and the wall was an empty place on the window seat. I stood up at once, then I sat down again. I was feeling very sick and the world seemed to be going round and round. There was somebody there, I insisted, because I touched her. So did I, said Mrs. Gorman, in a trembling voice, and I don't think anyone could leave this window seat without us knowing. Reggie gave a shaky little laugh. I remembered his unpleasant experience earlier that evening. Someone's been playing jokes, he said. Are you coming down? We were not very popular when we came down to the sitting room. I found the two of them sitting behind a curtain on a window seat, said Reggie. I went up to the tall, dark girl. So you pretended to be Smee and then went away, I accused her. She shook her head. Afterwards, we all played cards in the sitting room, and I was very glad. Some time later, Jack Sangston wanted to talk to me. I could see that he was rather cross with me, and soon he told me the reason. Tony, he said, I suppose you are in love with Mrs. Gorman. That's your business, but please don't make love to her in my house during a game. You kept everyone waiting. It was very rude of you, and I'm ashamed. But we weren't alone, I protested. There was somebody else there. Somebody who was pretending to be Smee. I believe it was that tall, dark girl, Miss Ford. She whispered her name to me. Of course, she refused to admit it afterwards. Jack Sangston stared at me. Miss who? he breathed. Brenda Ford, she said. Jack put a hand on my shoulder. Look here, Tony, he said. I don't mind a joke, but enough is enough. We don't want to worry the ladies. Brenda Ford is the name of the girl who broke her neck on the stairs. She was playing hide-and-seek here ten years ago. Isn't that crazy? I want to play Smee now. I know. That sounds fun. <laughs> but isn't that crazy? House. So, he obviously was sitting next to a ghost. Yeah. So, Brenda Ford was the girl who broke her neck on the stairs years ago that he was telling them about. And so, they played it again. And he went into the room and said, Smee. And didn't get a response, so he assumed. And then, I don't... He said he touched her. If she didn't answer me, like, any of my questions, I would have poked her again. Right, and so from what I understand, the room that they were in, it was very small. So, like, there was nobody... You couldn't leave the like, room. you would have heard them. Right, well, you couldn't leave the room without... Like, it was like a... Almost like a closet-type area. So, like, you couldn't leave without literally, like, brushing up against somebody else who was in the room with you. Yeah. So, that's crazy. Did you like that story? Yeah, it was good. I just yeah. really want to play this game now. I know. <laughs> it's really, I, I I listened to it. I heard it on Scared to Death one time, you know, la a couple years ago or last year, whenever they did it. But it was, it's really, it's not scary, but it's like, at the very end, you get like that, oh my God, moment of like, yeah. ugh. Like Brenda Ford. Also, you could probably hear me chuckling when I was I like, know. I know you have a thing with Miss Gorman, <laughs> but don't make love with her in my house. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know that part was in there. I was like, oh God, that's funny. <laughs> so, uh, I don't remember the person who wrote the story, 
it's a guy. I can't remember his name and I didn't write it down. That's my fault. But the story is in a book and it is written by somebody else. So props to props to author Smee. Yeah, I will put it in the uh, episode notes. <laughs> he can't claim it's him. <laughs> I know. Because he can't say it's me. <laughs> Stop! What is wrong? <laughs> yeah. You are so dumb. <laughs> I know. I will put the book and the author in... Well, it's it's not a book. It, like, the story itself is not just one book. It's actually a collection. It's in a collection yeah. of stories. So, that we will be doing... Over the years for Christmas, if you guys liked it, because even if you don't, I enjoyed it. Right. <laughs> we enjoyed it. So that's all that matters. I'm just kidding. You guys are important. Yeah. You guys make us be able to have this podcast. Having yeah. fans is <laughs> the number one thing. <laughs> Having fans and free time. I get one episode a year, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, I guess that's it for this one. Yeah. So I guess, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Yeah. I hope Merry it, Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Happy, happy random day of the year if you don't celebrate. Yeah. Happy, happy, merry, whatever you celebrate. How about that? Yep. Okay. But we'll <laughs> wish you a Merry Christmas. Yeah. We'll wish you a Merry Christmas. But happy, like I said, happy whatever you celebrate. We're not against yeah. any religion or celebrations. And most of all, we really hope that you enjoyed the story. Yeah. And if you didn't, I guess, oh, well. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for coming to hang out with us and letting us tell you stories. Don't forget, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram at 3 a.m. Tales of Terror. You can find pictures from each episode there, as well as our website, three the number three, 3 a.m. Tales of Terror dot com. You can also subscribe with your email at our website for updates as well. If you have any questions or story ideas for us, you can email us at info at 3amtalesofterror.com. That's a three and not the word. If you want to support us, you can sign up to become part of our Patreon. There, you will get ad-free episodes as well as bonus content. We hope you'll join us next week. And, and we, we hope, hope you were terrified. terrified.